Author Media presents Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. This is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. I'm your host, the professor of book marketing, Thomas Umstead Jr., and our guest today is the author of Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, and Restore Your Sanity. And she's also the winner of the Crown Marketing Award for Innovative Book Marketing. And she got that award by growing her list from 2,000 subscribers to over 25,000 subscribers in one year. How? By using a quiz that you can find at restquiz.com. I am a big fan of quizzes as a way of growing your email list. And I've talked about them in passing in the past, but I've never talked with anyone about specifically how to do it, which is why I'm so excited to welcome to the Novel Marketing Podcast, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. Hi. So welcome to the podcast. Tell us the story behind RestQuiz.com. Well, I wanted a way for people to be able to determine which of the seven types of rest they were deficient in. And, you know, when I was thinking about it, I wanted it to be automated, obviously, because I didn't want to have to kind of do the self-analysis like I do with my patients in my office. And that seemed to be the quickest way. There, You know, there's so many different quiz platforms out there. And I just kind of happened upon one on WordPress that worked with my blog that was really simple to use. And I jumped on it. I figured, why not? Let's see what happens. Yeah. Well, which platform are you using? WordPress. My, my blog is on WordPress. And there's a plugin, um, a quiz plugin. I think it's called Quizmaster or something like that. Um, but yeah, it was really simple. Very good. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes. And so this came out of your your professional a psychologist and you sit down with clients and so the questions for the quiz came out of your practice. Uh, is that right or did the questions come from somewhere else? No, I'm I'm actually an internal medicine physician. So people come into my medical practice and you know with the typical I'm tired, you know something's wrong with my thyroid or my adrenals, help me figure out what's wrong. And I spent a lot of time kind of trying to determine what was keeping people so tired all the time. You know, it wasn't sleep because some of them were getting more than adequate sleep. And once I started discovering and reading and researching about the seven types of rest, what I saw was that one of the big questions that people had after they learned about the seven types is how do I know which one I'm deficient in? And so the questions were questions that I developed really just thinking about each of the types of rest and how someone with it would feel. And so I allow people to kind of kind of grade themselves on where they're at. So I don't go right out and say, are you deficient in physical rest? I ask questions that are related to someone who has a, re- a physical rest deficit, like increased neck and back pain, uh, increased headaches, uh, having more infections than your, let's say your coworkers, you're, you have that chronic sinus infection, nobody else seems to be getting it. So I start asking the questions and let people rate how well that applies to them. How, how does this describe you all the way or not really does not really talking about you. And what that does is the back end of the, the quiz, whatever the plugin does in the back end kind of allows those <laughs> scores to be able to differentiate out which ones are physical, which ones are mental, which ones are social, sensory, all the different types of rest, and gives a score at the end of each one. 
And I can verify uh, the results. I just took the quiz right before this interview. And wouldn't you know it, I scored the lowest in physical rest, which having a newborn at home makes perfect sense. So uh, your, your quiz did a good job teasing that out, what I wouldn't give for a <laughs> night's sleep uninterrupted uh, by a hungry baby. But, but w- the principle here that I think is really valid of how you put the questions together is that you focused on the felt symptoms from uh, your reader, your target reader, and not that you don't have to have any sort of expertise coming to the quiz. So it forces you to really boil uh, things down to the core pain that your readers are having. And so for those of you writing on fiction, you know, your, your book is probably not about rest, but you are hopefully helping your readers address some kind of pain in their life. Maybe it's emotional pain, maybe it's uh, work-related re- pain, social pain, whatever problem your book is solving. Uh, you want uh, The more clear you are on that pain, the easier a quiz is uh, to put together like this. Yeah, and it's really simple. Um, you know, when you think about it, you've already written 50,000 plus words. So you know, you've spent a lot of time researching the topic and, and getting all of that together for the book. So really, for me, the quiz was written while I was writing the book. Um, within the book, I actually have under each section, so under physical rest, I have some of the same questions, maybe not worded the exact same way, but kind of a quick check sheet under physical rest. So people can start kind of thinking about, oh, yeah, that does describe me. <laughs> and, you know, in the book, I actually tell them before they start the, the entire discussion on the seven types, I say, stop. Stop right there, go take the quiz, then come back and let's keep going. Because I want even the people who've already bought the book to do the quiz. I want to, you know, I don't want them just to to be a reader of the book. I want to get I want them to be a part of my community. That's right. And it's a great opportunity to get the email address of people who read your book. This is a real challenge a lot of authors have. They don't know who their readers are because they're not their customers. They're Amazon customers or they're Barnes and Noble customers. And so they have no way of telling their readers about book number two in the series. Whereas if you have a quiz integrated with the book where the book is far more useful if you take the quiz and the kind of ultimate example of this is the Strengths Finder books, which is kind of a personality assessment. That's the kind of genre of book that really leads the way in this. The book is almost useless without taking the quiz, and uh, which gives them this huge kind of collection of reader emails, which is incredibly valuable. As anyone who's listened to this show for more than one or two episodes has heard me talk about the importance uh, of the email list. And so I, I love how you have it integrated with the book. So it's not just a way of getting strangers and introducing yourself to strangers, but it's also a way of deepening your relationship with the readers who just saw your book on a bookshelf at Barnes & Noble and don't really know you very well, but they're reading the book and like, oh, I'll get on your email list. And then suddenly you're getting to know them a lot better. Absolutely. And I honestly, I use the URL every time I do any kind of interview or anything as well, because it's, you know, once you come up with a quick URL, you'll probably notice the actual quiz is housed on my, my WordPress site. So it's something like, you know, I choose my best life slash rest quiz slash this, that, or the other. It's this humongous URL that, you know, you'd never get all of those letters out accurately in the middle of a, you know, radio interview. But to say restquiz.com was a, just a really simple way to kind of redirect the page back to the website um, and, and still not have to, to do a lot of legwork from my end. That's right. And you may be thinking, oh, but isn't that really expensive to buy another domain? No, no, it's not. It's $10 a year. It's totally worth it. Yeah, it was pennies, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I recommend doing this not just for if you have a quiz or any other kind of 
landing page that you want to be able to mention verbally in a conversation or on uh, a radio interview or podcast interview. But I also recommend that you do this for each one of your book titles. So you can say, go go to mybooktitle.com, and then it redirects to a page on your website all about that book. And if you want to see this in action, just go to courtshipincrisis.com. It will magically take you to a page on thomasumstadt.com all about my book, uh, Courtship in Crisis. And there's a lot of really great domain uh, sites that um, will do the redirecting for you. Uh, Hover does that, and Namecheap uh, does that. Uh, so, and there are there are others. Those aren't the only good ones. Uh, I just generally av- recommend avoiding GoDaddy because they're the worst, <laughs> uh, even though they're the most popular because they buy all the Super Bowl uh, commercials. So um, wh- which came first, the quiz or the – so you were creating both the quiz and the book together. Which did you release first into the wild? Huh, that's a good question. Um, well, when I first uh, – the quiz and like the, I think the reason I could include it in the book – is because even when I wrote my proposal, I knew I was going to do the quiz. <laughs> that was It was like I already knew that that was something that I was going to eventually do. So um, I would probably say I released – oh, I had to release the quiz first because the book came out in December, and the quiz already had people taking it by September. So I released the quiz in September really just on Facebook. Um, my launch team – we had them go in and make sure I didn't put any spelling mistakes. <laughs> you know, everything worked that the email actually came back to them in a timely fashion. Um, so that was released in September to the launch team. And then they kind of re- was given permission to release it out to their friends, really to kind of build some interest in the book. I have a... Um, uh, campaign that's attached to it. So once you take the quiz, you're kind of automatically input in to get like a couple of emails that have some additional teachings and different things related to how to put this into practice. And so uh, that was part of the process is really just having kind of that launch team help me make sure all of that was working well. Excellent. So you have it connected with the drip sequence or also called an onboarding campaign with your email provider. Who do you use for email? I use MailChimp. I started with them because they had the free 2000. And at the time, <laughs> you know, I, I just barely had 2000. So it was, you know, it was costing hardly anything <laughs> to grow your list. <laughs> they suckered you in. But they did. They did. <laughs> and now, now they're making some, some good money off of you, but uh, you know, that's how their, their business model works. Um, so, all right. So you released it to, your launch team, how did you, and they told their friends, how did you go from that small initial launch to having over 75,000 people taking the quiz? It was the media. So every time that I did any kind of media, I would, I would always say, you know, they always oftentimes will say, what is your, a way that they can connect with you and kind of what is your website? And so rather than just send them to my main website where, you know, there's, there's so much busyness going on on your main website. It's like, oh, what do I click? Let me not click anything and just get off. I wanted to send them to one spot where they had nothing but one decision to make. Do I take the quiz or don't I take the quiz? And so I would always give that restquiz.com URL whenever I did an interview. And I also started putting it in my bio. 
So whether I was speaking on a stage, I it would always say we're over, at, you know, at one time it was 20,000, 30, whatever, 1,000 people have learned their rest deficit at restquiz.com. So that would be like part of the bio, part of the introduction that people would get. At the end of every guest post, I would have that. So I, I put it every place that I got access. You know, I, I learned real quickly that it was going to take forever for me to build my platform in a kind of isolated in a box with just the people I knew. So I needed to kind of utilize the platforms of people who were inviting me into their space. And I didn't want to just kind of get there and tell them about the book. I wanted some of their people to become my people. And the only way to do that was going to be to, to offer them something that they were willing to get their email up for. That's right. And this is a great way of using a what we call a lead magnet or a reader magnet to amplify your PR. Because uh, a lot of people, they go on radio, they go on TV, and they just mention their name. And if their name is something like, I don't know, Thomas Umstadt, no one will ever find their website. Because <laughs> um, no one can spell uh, Thomas Umstadt. If you start Googling it, you'll eventually get to the right place. But it's it's not a great thing to mention. But beyond it being hard to spell, there's also no strong why. Right. If I'm like, go to my website and find out more about me, people are like, I'm already listening to an interview of you. I don't want to find out more about you. That's not a, an appealing why. Whereas if you say, I have a free tip sheet or I have a free quiz that you can take and you'll get results right away about what we're talking about, then suddenly people are like, ooh, I want to take that quiz. I want to know um, about me, right? Because they care about themselves. And so this is a great way of creating something on your website that's focused on the reader exclusively. And, and your quiz is completely focused on the reader. It doesn't even have your picture on it, right? You have a little flower and a, you know, take the quiz button, and then it's just a bunch of questions all about the visitor to the website. And, and people love talking about themselves, <laughs> and they love a website that's all about them. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's exactly right. I really debated with that. Do I put my, my face up there? Do I include all of the sidebar stuff that's on my website? And, you know, I came to the decision that I don't, because some people come into that space from radio. So all they're familiar with is my voice. They have no clue who I am. Others might be coming in through a TV show where they're actually seeing me, but I didn't want people to get distracted, you know, <laughs> and start kind of wandering off. I wanted them to, by the time they go to the site, they're going there with a one single focus. I want to know why I'm tired all the time. <laughs> and so I wanted the whole experience to be about, let's get to the bottom. It's kind of like a doctor's appointment with me, a virtual appointment. Let's get to the bottom of why you're tired all the time. That's right. And it takes some commitment. This is no five question quiz. This is like a I don't know. I, I tried counting them and I lost count at about 100,000 questions. <laughs> That's what it <laughs> seemed like as I was racing through it. Like there's a lot here. Um, to go through. And by the time if somebody completes the quiz, they're already pretty committed, right? There's this mm -hmm. escalation of commitment. It's like, well, gosh, I've already answered 20 questions. Might as well answer a few more. It's like, okay, I've already answered 30. I guess I'll answer a few more. I'm guessing there's what, around 50 questions on this quiz? There's right around 70, 70 questions. And that's why I start off with, you know, allow five to 10 minutes and you're worth the investment. Because I want people to really kind of get soaked deep <laughs> into the process of, you know, okay, well, I've got to slow down. It's, it's almost psychological in, in a way because, you know, we're so busy. We want everything to be kind of quick and microwave. And, I mean, the whole topic of the book is let's slow this thing down and let's – it's almost like let's convince you that you're worth these couple of minutes of self-discovery. 
That's right. And it's almost kind of very integrated with your brand, right? If this were a very busy page visually, it would be in conflict with the whole idea of resting and simplicity and taking a That's deep true. breath. <laughs> uh, so you, you have to have it integrated in that way. So so I love how that uh, it, how that works. What kind of results did you see from having a bigger email list? Oh, it's been great. Um, when I you know first got started, I really wasn't thinking about kind of how really one book could turn into other things. And so I never thought about creating products or creating courses or any of those types of things. But as I've, I've kind of gotten more into that mindset, having a list has now opened up that when I decided to, to determine, you know, would anybody be interested in a 90 day course, I can send it out to these 25,000 people and immediately get feedback. I can send them to a survey to find out what kind of things that they're that they're needing to to go deeper into their rest walk. It's actually become a great way to get extra income. You know, when I want to do coaching, um, I'll put out, you know, I've got spaces for 10 people who'd like to do some one-on-one -on -one coaching for the next you know, three months or whatever it is. And so I don't then have to go on Facebook or go on Instagram, pay a bunch of money in ads, find a bunch of strangers who don't know anything about me. These are people who have chosen to come in, who have chosen that rest is something that they're concerned about and interested in. And so it's very easy to market to them. Yeah, it's, as I've said before, it's a lot easier to turn fame into fortune than it is to turn fortune into fame. Once you're famous, there's lots of ways you can make money, but it, you can't just buy your way into being famous, uh, or it's it's very difficult anyway. And so I, I love how you're b building a business around this, right? What started off as just a book, which it can be lucrative, right, if you sell a million copies, but ultimately very few people um, make money, especially in traditional publishing, on their books. I, I heard a stat somewhere that there are more professional baseball players than there are professional authors in the sense that they're able to fund their families through their writing. There are, for every one author who makes all their money purely selling books with royalties, there's probably five or ten like you that have this kind of more complex income stream where they are a professional expert and they have different ways that people pay the money. So they pay for a book, but they also may pay for court coaching or they buy a course from you or um, they, you know, listen to some, they go to a live event and hear you in person. And there's lots of ways that you can make money off of your knowledge and off of your expertise beyond just selling them dead trees sliced fairly thinly. <laughs> Absolutely. I love books. I love books. I love paper. I have lots. I own lots of paper books. Although I will say I do prefer audio books. <laughs> so, um, does your uh, quiz spread at all by word of mouth? Have you kind of built in a sharing element where people can share their results on social media, or is it a purely PR play in terms of uh, promotion for the quiz? Well, it it has spread by word of mouth. I tend to make a point of periodically kind of putting it back up on social media. You know, I have the little graphics that I throw up. So I, periodically I'll put that back up. But for the most part, I don't promote it on social media as much. I, I usually just do it during the media. And I, I spend more of my time trying to secure media placements because I find that to be very effective. Do you hear that, people? I've been saying for years how 
social media is the least effective form of marketing. And that time that you're spending on social media, if you will do what Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith is doing, put that time towards uh, getting on podcasts and getting on radio, which I have a course to help you do, uh, you're going to get so much more results. Uh, There's this concept in economics of opportunity cost. And the opportunity cost of doing a thing is foregoing your next best alternative. And so by choosing to watch one more episode of that show on Netflix, I'm choosing not to sleep, right? That's the opportunity cost, staying up later. And when you choose to do social media, the opportunity cost is PR, which is scarier, right? It's harder, but it's way more effective. No, I don't know anyone who in the last five years, six years, has had the kind of results of 2,000 to 25,000 emails um, on social media without spending a ton of money. You You could do it. Uh, if you're willing to spend, you know, probably ten thousand to fifteen thousand dollars on ads on Facebook, um, but uh, you know, Doctor Smith, you haven't spent ten thousand dollars on ads, have you? No, that and that's the thing. I have spent the the most I've spent on this whole process was probably the money spent trying to get a halfway decent mic to be able to do podcasts and a camera to do video for for the media placements. That was my investment. Which broke right before this interview, I will say. <laughs> I know. It's like, I got to do another one. But honestly, that's a, that's probably a testimony to how many podcasts I've done in the past year. I, I keep moving the mic around until I broke the poor thing. But... <laughs> But yeah, that's that was the investment. You know, it, I think so often, I, and even myself, I had this mindset that, you know, if I write a great book, everybody should want to read it. It'll hit some bestseller list and I don't have to do a lot of work. I got a great publisher. They'll get all my, you know, they'll get all of my publicity and media lined up for me. Well, they may get a couple but, I mean, you've got to think about it. They've got so many different authors behind you that are releasing books that they're kind of spread thin on who they pitch where. Whereas when you pitch yourself, you can pitch all day long if you wanted to, as many people as you'd like. Um, and that, I think the... Um, the thing that I've loved is that there's no limit. You know, I pitched myself to Daystar. They said yes so, <laughs> for three shows, not just one. Three live shows flew me out, the whole the whole thing. So you don't have to be famous to pitch yourself to even the big shows. You know, you just have to, to just like, it's just like trying to get an agent or trying to get a book contract. You just got to be willing to hear no and not let it like drench you and make you feel like you're you're not worthy sometimes a no is just you need to kind of retweak the pitch because the topic you put out is not what they're looking for at this time and the most common way you have to retweak the pitch is retweaking it in a way that's more beneficial for the listener and less beneficial for you right if it's all about you and how great you are and a lot of people want to go on a tour and share their story and i will say No one wants to hear your story. (laughs) If you're not already famous, no one wants to hear your story. But they do want to hear about how their lives can be better, which I think is, um, Dr. Smith, one of the reasons why you've been able to get so much PR is that it's not like you're sharing. You may have elements of your story, but that's not what you're pitching, right? You're pitching, I will help your listeners have more energy and feel better about themselves and be more rested and positive, optimistic people, right? You're going to have a better life if you're getting more rest. And who doesn't want that, right? And in 2020, who's not tired, right? The Netflix right. <laughs> says that their biggest co- competition is sleep. Like, that's what their CEO 
HBO said. They're not trying to compete with Amazon Prime. They're trying to compete with Casper Mattresses because they want you awake and zoned <laughs> out on their platform. And they're winning, right? They're winning the war on sleep. And so when you stand up and you're like, I'm going to be the one person to stand against this, you know, big N um, that's stealing away our sleep, people want to have you on. And that is a stealable tactic, right? Anyone can make their message more beneficial for their reader, regardless of their topic. Absolutely. And it works for, you know, honestly, fiction and nonfiction. I, I, one thing that really, I didn't, this is something that came out of this whole process that I didn't anticipate. You know, I had no point in time did I ever think I would be teaching um, authors anything about the, that process of kind of being your own publicist. But I had so many of my friends saying, who's your publicist? Who's your publicist? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have a publicist. I'm my own publicist. That I ended up, you know, teaching classes on this, you know, going to writers retreats. And I actually ended up doing an online course on that, how to be your own publicist. Because I think this misconception is that you've got to lay down the $5,000 a month retainer in the hopes that they may get you on something and that's just not the reality. It's just if you can answer someone's questions, if you can help someone solve a problem, if you can help someone get closer to a dream or aspiration, if you can take something complicated and break it down so that it's a lot simpler for the rest of the world, if you can do those things, you are a perfect guest for podcasts, radio, and TV. Yep. And there are so many uh, podcasts out there. We created the podcast host director and we have the email addresses of over 100,000 podcast hosts on every topic you can imagine. Uh, that's the wonderful thing about podcasting is that there are specific topics uh, and broad topics and podcasts on all of them. And your topic, so let's say a topic like rest, you could go on a bunch of different kinds of podcasts, right? Right now you're talking on an author podcast, but you could be on a parenting podcast. You could be on a business podcast. All right? Think a little bit outside of your genre when it comes to pitching uh, podcasts and radio shows. And some topics, right, are more flexible than others, right? Not every author will be able to be on every podcast, but you may be surprised if you're willing to think outside of the box how many additional podcasts uh, would be interesting to have interested to have you. I was talking with a guy the other day, and his topic is internet security. And he was thinking about starting his own podcast. And I was like, no one wants to listen to a whole podcast about internet security, <laughs> but they would love to hear you as a guest on somebody else's podcast one time talking about how to keep yourself safe uh, on the internet. In fact, I was like, in fact, I'll have you on my podcast, right? Authors need to know how to keep themselves safe and you know, keep their intellectual property safe and their computers from getting hacked. Um, so uh, think about that as you're planning your marketing uh, campaign and your PR campaign. What kinds of podcasts could I uh, ask to have me on as a guest. Yeah, absolutely. Think outside the box because, you know, some of the podcasts I've been on have been podcasts where they didn't align with my spirituality in the least bit. You know, my book is published by Faith Words, which is obviously a Christian <laughs> branch of uh, Hachette. So it's one of those things where you would think, would a Buddhist podcast want me on talking about rest? Yeah, they were open to conversation and I was open to, ch to sharing with them. So there's so many different ways of sharing. Um, when you're pitching, sometimes it's helpful in the pitch and even in the subject line to get them to open the pitch to actually re to, to let them know that you know who their audience is. So if I'm pitching a podcast that's to small business leaders, it'll say, let's talk about rest for small business owners, or let's talk about rest in moms, or let's talk about rest in 
leaders. So depending on whatever the topic is or whoever the audience is, you can tweak it a little bit so that first off, the podcast host knows you at least know who who they are and who they speak to. Because if they think you understand their audience, they're going to be more willing to have you on to speak to their audience. Preach. I get so many pitches <laughs> for people wanting to come on this show who have obviously never listened to uh, the podcast and have no concept of who we are. And they're just blasting the same pitch to podcast after podcast. And I'm like, that is not the right approach. You have to tailor your pitch for the podcast and tailor your topic, even tailor the interview, right? You, you can't. And this is, again, why just telling your story over and over again is really dull, right? Because if I've already heard your story on somebody else's podcast, I don't want to hear your story on my podcast. But if you're able to actually out offer, you know, tangible benefits to people's lives and, and you can tweak which benefits those are, right? Let's say you have 20 benefits that you can offer different people, but only three or four applicable to any one podcast. Well, pick the three or four that are applicable to that particular podcast and tell them only about uh, that one. Uh, but uh, getting back to the quiz, uh, what have been some of the kind of the best parts and worst aspects of having your own online quiz? I can tell you now what the worst aspect was. Um, the quiz released, well, well, the quiz was already out, but the the video footage, I should say, released um, from a live show that I did with Daystar. And, you know, obviously I said the quiz out during the show. Well, what I didn't realize is that um, that the there was like an update to the quiz that had just processed through. And so the update to the quiz had kind of like made it so that half of the results didn't go out to people. And so, you know, when you have something like an international show and you have a lot of people hit the site at one time, whenever someone's results don't go through, the program sends me an email that says results didn't process. So I get the results, but the person didn't get them on their end. So we had to hand email like 150 quiz results <laughs> <laughs> one day and I was just like oh my goodness we can never have this happen <laughs> again um, because you can imagine who wants to have to hand deliver go in and do all the work to get the email looking right and send it out for people's results plus they're waiting on their results because you know they tend to go automatically to you so that was a nightmare. So if you have an update, have your system set to update like middle of the night, <laughs> not, <laughs> not during like regular hours when people are awake. <laughs> and even at that, you know, because um, we've had that happen more than one time where there's been like an update. But if you have an update in the middle of the night, if you can if you can know when shows are released, that's very helpful. You can just kind of pause the updates <laughs> during time when shows like that are releasing. And I'd probably say the the biggest benefit of the quiz has has really been how people have used it to to better themselves. I love it when someone takes the quiz you know, hops on my list and they're, you know, following for a month or so and and getting some of the, the stuff that I put out, the emails that I'm being sent, the newsletter, they listen to the podcast, you know, they get engaged with my community. And then to get email, uh, email from them and say, hey, I, I knew nothing about you. And I heard you on a, someone's podcast and thought I'd check out this quiz. And now I can't tell you how great I feel or how much better my marriage is because I'm using some of the techniques about relationship and social rest or how I'm how I'm loving my 
my job more because I'm not exhausted every day. That to me has been the best part. When people, the quiz ends up actually resulting in transformation in someone's life being changed. Yeah, because sometimes we just have to see how sick we are before we're willing to actually do something about it. And the quiz gives somebody a, a tangible score, uh, which it, it rationally shouldn't matter, right? Like we should already know how tired we are, but somehow seeing, oh my gosh, I scored a 37 on physical rest because I'm not sleeping, maybe I should do something about that, right? It's like that's what triggers that action, which really does bring the life uh, transformation and makes people hungry for your book, right? Like if they see, oh my gosh, I had no idea this. I knew it was a problem, but I didn't know what level of problem it was. They're more likely to buy your book and they're more likely to read your book and more likely to put it into practice. It's so um, integrated <laughs> with with all of the positive results of your book. It's, it's why I really love the strategy uh, for books that can incorporate it. And And I know many of you are doing novels and you're like, well, I can't really do a quiz on like symptoms of a problem and how to get better. And that's true, but there are quiz types that you could explore. Uh, the most common that I see is like a personality type quiz where people find out what character in your book they are, which is more of a way of getting people who've read book one onto your email list so you can then tell them about book two. So it's less of a launch strategy. With nonfiction, you can release the quiz ahead of time and get all of the emails from the release ahead of time, help it with your launch. No one cares what character they are in a book they haven't read. <laughs> so no one's going to take that fiction quiz ahead of time. But there are still ways that you can make quizzes work uh, for fiction. And if you have done a good job with fiction quizzes, do let me know. And I might have you on a future episode of the Novel Marketing Podcast. Uh, so Dr. Smith, uh, we're almost out of time, but do you have any uh, final tips or, or advice for us? I would probably say the the biggest thing is just not to have any limits on kind of where you're putting yourself out there and where you're putting your URL. Um, as many places as you can get it out, I mean that's is only going to benefit you because if they don't get to the page, then they won't then they won't end up on your list. So whether that be in your bio, whether that be when you're on stage having them some way incorporated, you know, in even introducing you, um, always saying it for every media. Um, event that you're on and actually kind of get to the point where it rolls off your tongue organically and it doesn't sound like you're trying to drive people to the site you know i i've said it so many times that when i when it gets to and if you'd like to know which of the seven types of rest you're deficient in you can visit restquiz.com so <laughs> you know i've said it so many times it's like embedded in my brain and so get to the point where it comes out just automatically and then you won't have that fear of oh i should i say it or not, you won't have the fear of sharing it because you know what you're sharing is something that's going to help someone. That is awesome. And we will have a link to restquiz.com in case you didn't hear it enough times during the interview, which I will say, uh, you can always tell someone who's professionally trained and doing interviews by how well they are at incorporating their website into the interview. Uh, <laughs> but I'll also have a link uh, to the Quizmaster uh, WordPress plugin, or it's called the Quiz and Survey Master is, uh, is the name of the plugin. And also uh, Dr. Smith's website, ichoosemybestlife.com. Uh, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, thank you so much for joining us today on the Novel Marketing Podcast. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Our sponsor today is my course, How to Get Booked as a Podcast Guest. Uh, we've already talked in this episode a lot about how powerful being a guest is on a podcast. It amplifies your other 
activities when it comes to growing your list and selling more books. And this is one of my signature courses. I walk you through uh, how to reach out to good to podcasts, to get them to book you as a guest, uh, how to get them to say yes, how to find the podcasts in the first place, and finally, how to nail that interview so they want to have you back and tell their podcast friends to have you on as a guest as well. I have learned a lot the hard way when it comes to being a guest on other people's podcasts, and I've also seen a lot being a host of both this podcast, other podcasts, and my own radio show. You can get the course at authormedia.com, and patrons save 50% off the cost of the course. So a $3 patronage level will save you a lot of money. It is worth it to become a patron just to get the discount on this course. Now, speaking of patrons, our featured patron today is Katie Harvey, author of Believe It and Behave It, How to Restart, Reset, and Reframe Your Life. Learn how to kick your inner shame and hatred to the curb. Whatever your personal setback, Kate will help you find new opportunities and make yourself better and stronger than ever before. Uh, and you can become a novel marketing patron at authormedia.com. And if you can't afford to become a patron, don't worry, you can still help the show if you want to. All you have to do is share this episode with one person in your life you think it will be helpful. Do you know someone who needs more email subscribers? Share this episode with them. It really helps spread the word about the show. You've been listening to Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith and Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you innovative ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.